This is the Office Manager Diaries, a podcast all about the highs and the lows of professionals in office management around the world. We'll delve into their career journeys and diaries where they'll share their stories, tips for success and things only office managers understand. Enjoy and please remember to give us a follow. Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Office Manager Diaries. I'm with Nabila Hassan, who is the Office Manager at Octopus Energy East Midlands. Hi Nabila. Hi Hannah. Hello, thank you so much for joining me for the Office Manager Diaries. We have known each other for probably just over a year or so now and yeah, really excited to get to know you a little bit better and find out about your journey and your experiences in office management. So thank you for giving up your time. Of course, thank you for having me. (laughs) Pleasure. So let's get started, first of all, by you telling us a little bit more about your role at Octopus and how you first got into office management. Of course. Um, So a bit about me. I was born and raised in London and I was actually studying for my undergrad. So I actually studied anthropology in London and I wanted to go on to do a master's in human rights. And by a really random opportunity, I ended up moving to the East Midlands straight after I graduated. So as a fresh grad, I was just on the lookout for opportunities um, that would be of interest to me. And um, like a customer service role came up and I just thought, yeah, I'm happy to do this at most for six months. And then Octopus Energy contacted me and I was just like, okay, cool. I got there. I was like dressed so professionally and everybody was dressed in jeans, trainers, just a really casual feel about it. But it was just so warm and welcoming. Three years later, I'm still at Oxford's Energy, but um, since the customer service role as an energy specialist, um, about almost two years ago, I've now been doing the office manager role for an office of ours in the East Midlands. So at uh, university, I actually had various secretarial roles. So I was really keen when the office manager role became available. I just didn't feel that I would be credible enough. So when I was considered for an interview and then the second stage, I was absolutely chuffed to have got the role um, because the previous office manager when I would see her doing the role I would always be in awe of how many hats she was always juggling. That's amazing so it was quite intentional for you the role came up as vacant or available and you applied internally and and were successful. That's right yeah. Yeah love that and what are your main responsibilities what's the typical day look like for you in this role? Sure so I, just like many other office managers, am usually known as the office mom. You know, uh, some people even call me the office auntie, actually. (laughs) And um, that's one of the best ways to describe it. If I was a mom, I think this is exactly what I would be doing just instead of home in the office. Um, Anything from the broken dishwasher to um, fixing and installing a new coffee machine. um, I take care of like well-being, welfare, health, policies and procedures, um, managing diary for the office, meeting and greeting, onboarding new starters, uh, ensuring that you know they have a smooth process from start to finish and feel comfortable to come to me. And although Octopus Energy doesn't actually have a HR department, I would say I'm the manager of HR for our office. So anything human resources based, I'm the go-to person. So really I feel like I'm office mum slash auntie 
slash you know the receptionist uh often greeting people and being the overall problem solver wow a lot on your plate how do you juggle managing all of those and how many people are in the office that you're in so a lot of people are still hybrid working or working from home technically we're across two floors and when we're full it's about 200 to 250 at the moment on a regular basis it's about 150 people between the two floors that is an awful lot to to juggle (laughs) I often say when it gets to and I often get asked at what point should we have an office manager and at what point should we have more than one person in that department running this and I often say it's really by 50 people you should have someone dedicated doing this role um you know it's changed a little bit because of the hybrid world and everything else but but by 100 150 people I said there should probably be two people now but uh yeah it's it's incredible to be able to manage that on your own yeah I am really lucky for sure because although technically I'm the only office manager there's definitely people who do you know things that would probably come under the role of being my assistant um just have so many people that are open and you know willing to lend a hand I'm really lucky in that aspect people that I work with make my job go so much easier for sure that's good because that is definitely a rarity in office management roles as far as I'm concerned so I really like the fact that it was it was that intentional for you and you're really proud because this is a career and so many people I think poo-poo it as not being a career and something that's just you know or another admin and this kind of thing but it's absolutely not so um it's, it's quite a strategic role as well so We've just touched on your colleagues there and and how grateful you are for the additional support that you're you're given to to help you do your job. You have so many office managers around you in the business. How do you work together, collaborate and share ideas, experiences and processes to make it work for the benefit of the company overall? One of the best things is we've been really trying to fine tune and streamline the process of communicating better because obviously we're all based in different locations, but working collaboratively really does benefit us. So we've got loads of hubs across the UK, but of the main offices, we've got about five other bases and how we communicate is we have like slack channels that are dedicated to just us and then us and then our line managers and then we also have a fortnightly meeting which one of our managers wanted to prioritize and it's amazing because that's an opportunity for us to share ideas highs and lows what's working in our offices what others can implement as well and then if we notice a problem or something that we can share we use that as a platform to discuss and brainstorm how we can overcome it together so it's really nice to be honest I speak to them pretty much on a daily basis I can go to them individually when I have like a problem which I feel like one person will be able to solve or we have our slack channels where we can chit chat we even got like a whatsapp group for more social things we even try our best to do like a quarterly or like a six monthly meetup in person and that's really nice because it gives us that opportunity to have like a team building platform because we aren't technically part of one team we are a team but we're just all in different locations so yeah various ways that we communicate and I feel really comfortable to go to each and every one of them we've all got our own individual skills and strengths and our weaknesses but we can share them and grow together so really nice and really lucky to have them and they were all so so supportive of you Going on to my next point, because you won Newcomer of the Year last year at the Office Management Awards. How was that for you and what was the response like from your colleagues? So initially, when I even heard about this award and then when I was getting nominations, I was just a bit overwhelmed. Like I was like, I don't win things. I'm not going to, you know, I 
I, I don't really like to blow my own trumpet. It feels really abnormal. It just feels weird. And I remember having this conversation with my family and just, I think, one of the office managers. And she was like, Nabila, put yourself forward. You've got to back yourself. Because that is what something one of my old team leaders used to say. He always used to say, back yourself let all the doubts out and just back yourself so I remember reading all the nominations was lovely but then when I actually had to fill in the application and then put it put pen to paper and I was like wow I actually do do all these things and I have actually had to upskill and learn so many things in the last year obviously now it's almost been two years in this role and I just thought wow even if I don't win winning was never actually really my focus I just really wanted to feel this accomplishment and I really did when I had submitted that form I just thought wow you know and I'm also really excited to celebrate other office managers across the business and across the UK and beyond because what we do is true it's often misunderstood and underrated you know it's not always seen as a senior position or a position of making all the decisions but we are we're behind the scenes doing all the running around and all the work so it was both daunting and exhilarating for me and then even on the day I just thought I'm going to dress up nicely you know bought this dress excited to have this lovely meal and excited to meet everyone and yourself because that was my first time meeting you and then when my name was called I genuinely misunderstood and I thought I was the winner of the runner-up but then when everyone was cheering I was like oh my god I, I was speechless it was an amazing feeling and one that was so humbling and one that I'm very proud of and, and it was really nice because genuinely felt the support from those around the table and beyond and even when I came back to the office people were so happy for me and, and it was really lovely yeah for sure amazing <laughs> and yeah so more on the response and the reaction from your colleagues more so the, the people in your East Midlands office than your office manager colleagues what was the response like and what has it done for you you know any positives to share in terms of your confidence being boosted or otherwise there for you in, in your career I, I think it was just a lovely feeling to know that firstly I, I've always felt appreciated but to actually receive this award I think it was just very honouring and it was a moment of joy and pride because it was this is what I do and I have something to show for it and I really felt the support from my managers and colleagues and a lot of it was actually that they they didn't this part shocked me a lot of them were like Nabila we knew you'd win and I was like did you really I didn't even think I was gonna I didn't think I was gonna get a runner-up but you know they they were sure that I was going to and, and it was a really nice feeling because I I for sure would describe myself as like a girls girls a cheerleader women empowerment so so to have that done to me and and to be reciprocated it was just a, absolutely lovely feeling and one that also inspired me to you know let others know that you know the things that you are excelling in you, you should put yourself forward for awards you should put yourself forward for further quali qualification further training and continue to blow your own trumpet because only we know what we do at the end of the day yeah because no one else can track the many many exactly. things we do <laughs> we can't even do it which is why it is quite like you say it's it's a good process to go through to enter something like these awards or otherwise because I think it prepares you quite nicely for your appraisals or end of year performance, you know, management plans, et cetera, whatever it is that you have internally. But also, as you say, to, to actually take that step back once you've hit that submit button and go, actually, yeah, there's there's a hell of a lot of stuff that I do here. And there's, you know, many, many things that I am proud of. There's challenges that I've overcome. 
Plus, like you say, if you do get the nominations and not everybody does because people don't necessarily know about these awards. I say it to people all the time yeah. when they say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to put myself forward. I'm going to wait to be nominated. And I said, OK, who knows about the Office Management Awards? Does your manager know? No, no, they won't do because they don't follow the Office Management Group. But you do. So you either need to go and tell them or you've just got to put yourself forward and then say, hey, I'm a finalist next year. You can nominate me or whatever it might be. But, you know, so many people still don't know about them. They're still new. So you've got to really put yourself out there like you did. And your nominations came in thick and fast as well. So (laughs) I'm really pleased that you've had such a wonderful response. And yeah, it's it. I, I remember reading your your entry and your judges scores were really high and they were really, really impressed with you. And I think the newcomer one is actually a very special award in in some ways because it kind of reinforces you being in the right career for yourself where you know you are that new into it it's I think it's three years or less is the the guidance that we give for that entrance that that award and I think it just cements for a lot of people who are new do you know what I'm actually kicking butt on this and I'm doing pretty well and you know that's a nice feeling to to keep me going so yeah I agree because also even when I was thinking about applying because I got the nominations but I I was quite delayed in applying because I was second guessing myself self-doubt was creeping in I thought to myself you know I do not compare to the other office managers even within Oxford Energy for example in our other branches you know I have a huge respect for them they've been in the role years and years though even before Oxford Energy and other suppliers or whatever their journey is way more solid and mine you know (laughs) at the time I was laughing at myself I thought who's going to consider me but then when I saw that there was a specific award that would fit in the bracket of me having been an office manager less than three years I thought no actually you know what according to the criteria I am eligible so you know why don't I just apply and lo and behold (laughs) it was nice it was an amazing feeling and I'm still one that I'm still very humbled by good and you looked gorgeous as well on the night thank you as did you it's really nice to see you there (laughs) So can you now share something for us from your diary or as you may have heard on the other podcasts, a you won't believe it, but please. Of course. So (laughs) are you racing yourself with this story, Hannah? Because (laughs) I am. I like the the precursor here. I've not had this yet. Go, go. So when I say we're in charge of health and safety, first aid, you know, fire wardens, we prepare ourselves, but we don't actually ever think we're going to get fully chucked into the deep end. So last year, we had this one incident, which, to be honest, is still something we talk about around the office. It's now turned into a bit of a joke, but the fact that it happened, and in all seriousness, I have to share it. On one occasion, we could all smell burning, and we were like, what's going on? And then and then it got, because I'm, I'm not asthmatic, but I do sometimes, you know, I find it hard to breathe, and I've got loads of allergies, so I was like oh my god my nose is really sensitive like something's burning and I I can't breathe like I feel like I'm being poisoned by the air next thing I know like loads of people are coughing and and just to give you a bit of an image in your head I'm based on second floor but I could hear loads of people coughing from the floor above me on third floor so I ran upstairs at this point I just see smoke everywhere but the fire alarm and the smoke alarm's not being set off so I'm just like rushing to see what is the source of this burning So the microwave wasn't on fire, but something was burning in there and there was smoke surrounding the whole thing. But 
for some reason it had not set the smoke alarm so I had to put on my cape and evacuate everyone as quickly as I could and turn into absolute super Mario and just whiz around gather the firewood and do what we could do and then evacuate everyone in like godspeed so someone had actually left some soup in the wrong type of Tupperware and that had absolutely charcoaled the contents as well as like the inside of the microwave and it had caused so much havoc but the reason I share this story is a because it was an accident and no one was blamed for it you know we just we 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 took responsibility for the fact that look guys we've got to be safe and follow health and safety and safety protocols but we were able to evacuate so quickly and the day it was only it happened around like I think early afternoon so some people were actually on their lunch break we all packed up and were still able to hybrid work from home and showed a lot of resilience and I was proud of myself because I did a bloody brilliant job in getting rounding up everyone and making sure we were all safe but the story is funny but it has that undertone of seriousness (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And you probably need to find out why the uh, fire alarm. Didn't yeah, work. exactly. Wow. The, the, uh, the smoke sensors need, uh, need sensitivity. Yeah, it was a just a very there, unique, it was a very unique situation where our alarms are quite sensitive, but for, for that, it was releasing a gas that was very toxic in the sense of it was, we weren't able to breathe, but it wasn't smoky enough to set off the no. alarm. So it was one yeah, yeah. where only if you were next to it would you be able to sense it. But I'm just really happy that I was able to just, you know, yeah. problem solve because I feel like it was so overwhelming. Oh my God, it was so overwhelming yeah. whilst it was happening because I, I remember clearly I had just got back from lunch myself and somebody ran up to me to say something's happened to the microwave. And then I was just like, what? No, no, no. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> I do love it. I mean, there's so many things, you know, when people share this this bit in the, the office manager diaries, there are so many random things. And I never know when I ask the question what's coming. <laughs> but I, I quite like this one because I have been in many scenarios. It's a kind of broccoli fish microwave scenario, but just taken a little bit further where it actually causes some serious issues for people in terms of breathing and so on and so forth. Yeah. OK, that's a good one. Yeah. you didn't you didn't get the fire extinguisher no out luckily like I that. didn't have to do that um, <laughs> but you know we did have to still fully air the building out up until the next day yeah. and we all worked from home it was it just felt like you know when you get a snow day from school and you all have to work, be at home it felt like that but it was nice that you know we all clubbed together and and worked together to make it easy to, to return to office the following day after that crazy <laughs> good life of an office manager I know the brand Octopus Energy really well. You're very much in the public eye. To me, it seems like a great company to work for. I think you've won lots of witch awards and so on over the years as well. There's branding and adverts and promos going on in the London Underground at the moment. How do you find the culture there as an employee, but also how as somebody in your position, which I think is a position of influence where culture is concerned, do you manage that in your office space? Sure. So we have a super fun yet relaxed vibe in our office. You know, I feel like we're one of those hip offices where we've got a slide and a ball pit and, you know, people really like to work on beanbags and other people like to start, you know, work from the standing desk. So we hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Back up. You have a slide. Yes, we have a slide that connects. You have a Google type office. office. Well, this is we have office. a swivelly slide. How many? 
it's like a swivelly slide oh a swivel slide i thought you said we have seven slides no, no. <laughs> so because everyone always says oh, i want this google office i'm gonna now rename it and everything i talk about and say the octopus energy office yeah. there we go and a ball pit wow okay yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, we have this relaxed environment, but we want it to still be like a focus space. So since being in this role, culture from the get-go was ingrained into me that, you know, we have to understand the octopus culture and we have to live it. And when I became an office manager, I also wanted to add that element of diversity and culture. Yes, we are, you know, we do have the reputation of being the most awarded supplier of of all the years and you know like I said we've, got, we've won so many awards and it's a and it's a really special company that I work for but it's one where we do hold our reputation to a high esteem but we also try to be really empathetic to our customer base you know we are living in a an energy crisis we're living in a cost of living crisis and it is also our job to be hugely sympathetic especially to our vulnerable customers and you know I'm often on the side where I don't now have to deal with customers as I used to before but I deal with the staff that have to help those vulnerable customers and I have to be that lending ear and I have to be that safe space for staff and to take care of their well-being so it's a role that I take really seriously but it's a culture that we've tried to grow and maintain to a great standard and I'll give you an example of that you know when I first joined the company there was a level of diversity, but not a huge amount, not the amount that I feel like we've become today. Today, I feel in our East Midlands office, we're hugely multicultural and very diverse. When I first became an energy specialist and walked into the office, I was the only, you know, hijab, headscarf wearing Muslim woman. And I felt really proud, but very intimidated. However, I never felt that I stuck out and was ever mistreated. In fact, I felt very much made to feel welcome and made to feel like I have a space in the shared space and that is something I work really hard to maintain even today regardless of color race sexuality gender religion faith we work really hard to welcome everyone and to maintain that so octopus culture is very much you can be exactly who you want to be and you will be accepted or what you do need to have is a level of respect for your colleagues and your peers as long as you've got respect you can share the space and and so that's what I've maintained and now you know three years later three and a half years later in the company I feel I've never had to be put in a position where you know it's been work versus my beliefs or work versus my values or somebody not respecting or understanding my wishes you know I've been put in a place where now I feel I can dress as I like never embarrassed to show or um, highlight my faith or beliefs. Because of my role, I've, I've had the ability to revamp our prayer space. We're having some expansion plans even for that, like I'm being hugely included in the diversity aspect. And I love that that is the you know, reputation that I hold. We have colleagues that can freely you know, follow their beliefs and octopus culture embodies exactly that. I'm really proud to be part of such a company because you, know, you see these LinkedIn posts and you see posts online where people are like, oh, today my company allowed me to pray in the corner or I was allowed a five minute break to meditate. But we have dedicated spaces. We have managers that would happily you know, be flexible and I hold events throughout the year with my colleagues who also help me. And even just last year, we 
we wanted to make a big fuss out of Black History Month. You know, we, we don't just follow the trends. We also try to live by them and embody them. For Ramadan, my manager was really open to me adapting my schedule, whereas other companies wouldn't be so flexible. So I'm really happy and proud to work for Octopus Energy, for sure. It's a culture that is very unique. I think only now, People are jumping on the bandwagon and it's nice to see, you know, people are being a bit more flexible, a bit more understanding, you know, mental health days, you need to work from home, you've got childcare issues. But we've been there from the beginning, you know, we've got senior directors that have children and you'll see them in the Zoom calls, you know, with their with their children. And we have so much flexibility to help mothers and to help um, even fathers on paternity. We go that extra mile. We don't even have a cap specifically on le- uh, number of annual leave days. It's more if you've worked hard this year and it's reasonable, you can have X amount of days. Go for it. You you worked hard for it. You deserve it. And I'm so glad that I have managers who, if I have a problem, I can share it with them. I don't need to hide or feel like I have to trod on eggshells. I, I really feel I can be transparent. And as an office manager, you want to have that level of open communication because I make mistakes on a daily basis and it's not something I want to hide it's something I want to be honest about and I feel very supported in that aspect well I mean making mistakes is how most of us learn first and foremost but it's also having that like you say level of trust and respect particularly between the line manager and the employee because without that you know you've not got a good leader or mentor to to lean on to help you develop and grow if they don't have your back there's a whole host of issues there but broadly speaking and more generally it sounds like you have had that culture embedded from the start and it isn't something that people can just turn on overnight which I think you know there was years ago and still is talk about this greenwashing where sustainability is concerned and companies are sort of pushing things out in the public eye of we're really green and we're all this etc but actually when you look behind the scenes they're not (laughs) and I think the same is going on with culture washing if I can dub it that where people are presenting themselves as being a very diverse and you know inclusive company and they've got this amazing culture but actually again behind the scenes they're not people aren't necessarily buying into that and it is very much for me a leadership piece that has to be delivered from the top and pushed right to the roots of the business and the roots doesn't mean in a hierarchical sense that's literally in every single stream every single person the people that you hire to make sure that it aligns so and it's a very difficult thing to do particularly with a company of your size when you are in the public eye as you are so yeah it must be really nice and you must be proud to be part of that and like you said the diversity change so yeah that's great so what are your biggest achievements, your successes in your office management career to date, Nabila? Sure, Hannah. So for me, I think one of my favourite accomplishments in our office is the huge focus that um, I've already touched on in terms of diversity, but also on well-being and creating that safe space. I wouldn't say we're 100% there yet, but the fact that we have this continuous work in progress and being open to you know, constructive feedback, what can we do, what can we change, what's working in the office, what's not, um, you know, I make it such a big priority for myself to put others first whilst also maintaining my own sane head and taking care of my own mental health and keeping that at bay so well-being for sure has been one of my favorite accomplishments and it's again it's not just ticking the boxes in terms of we have a helpline it's more what can we do on the surface because like I said a lot of our staff are dealing with really vulnerable customers and customers who also you know have their own qualms with the energy prices or things that aren't actually in our control but 
it's often our customer service energy specialists that have to you know deal with that on the other side of the phone and then it's up to me to pick up how they're feeling so knowing that I've created a safe space and a comfortable office is something I'm definitely proud of anything from bringing in somebody to do uh, massage and cupping and facials to having so in our office we already do have complimentary breakfast and lunch every day of Monday to Friday if you want it it's there and I think that's really boosted people in terms of you know when you when you're in a rush and you just need to grab grab and go something it's there so things from like fidget toys to focusing on neurodiversity and those that are neurodivergent and how we can adjust ourselves to them when I first came into the role I didn't really understand about health and safety and and so I feel accomplished from the aspect of now, if someone needs an ergonomic assessment, I'm on top of that. <laughs> if somebody has a specific first aid or a medical need, like understanding their needs and adapting. So all of these things I feel like have created a great sense of accomplishment for me, knowing that I've upskilled to the level that I have today, almost two years down. And, you know, of course, there's so much scope for growth but I am really proud of how far I've come in terms of me I'm not a handy person I don't really know which bulb goes on the light but now I feel like I'm on top of things the organization is there I've had to fine-tune how I prioritize how I schedule and now I'm on top of meetings I'm prepared I know when things are coming and I'm also prepared even in the event of something unexpected happening because that is how our day is filled yeah, and the unexpected happens an awful lot in these roles, so you need to be prepared. <laughs> what about your tough moments now? Have you got any lows to share in, in relation to this role or, or otherwise in your career? Sure. So one of my lows has probably been finding the right balance when it comes to cosy office versus not letting people clutter the space. And what I mean by that is we want this space to be as comfortable and cozy for you to work in. We don't, however, want you to fully move in so that other people can't share the desk if they need to hot desk. And from that aspect, I've been finding it difficult, but I'm really glad because I have been sharing that with the other office managers and getting tips and tricks from them. I've also been visiting other offices to see what they do. I'm at a place now where I feel really on top of it with my manager, who is so supportive. And I feel like she really does everything she can to support me to see what we can trial and error to, to make it work. So that's probably one of the lows in the sense of that would go under the umbrella of just being organized, aesthetically looking like a very organized office. I feel like we're not there 100%. And that's just because we as the East Midlands branch are known as being the cozy office versus let's say HQ uh, in London which looks sparkling and brand new. Another low I would say is probably because of the types of colleagues I have assertiveness for me has not always come easy or naturally I'm just not naturally an assertive person and having boundaries is not easy for me but again with some training that I've had recently and with a bit of practice I think I'm definitely getting there but when I look back at the career when I first started assertiveness was one of the lows but it's a low that I think I'm turning around which is good <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think that's an important skill to have in these positions because you need to be friendly and the go-to and yeah I can make that work for you and yeah I'll, I'll sort that out but at the same time it's respect my office respect the space respect each other yeah. respect the health and safety laws and absolutely. so on and so forth mm. 
This week's tip is about leaning on your experts. In our roles, we wear multiple, multiple hats, and it's so important to understand our limitations with being the expert in all the different areas that we look after. You can't be the plumber, the air conditioning engineer, the cleaner, the stationary company who knows everything about stationary and core and non-core lists and all these different terminologies. You can't know everything about coffee machines and the different types of milks and filters and beans and cup sizes and capacities that go into it. You can't be an expert with MFD printers, multifunctional device printers and the different toners and paper qualities and paper stocks and GSMs, you know, the weights and the speeds, the, the page per minute speeds and all the different things that go with all the different elements that we look after. So my advice is to make sure that you're having regular check-ins with your experts, with your vendors and suppliers and service providers. And do that in a priority order in the sense that if they are a high risk service to your business, either really important and or a high spend for your business, you meet with them more frequently than those that perhaps are less risky, less critical and um, on a lower level of spend. And you meet with them and you ask them what is going on in the world that they're an expert in at the moment? What are the latest products? What are the latest innovations? What are other clients doing? What does this mean? What does that mean? Challenge everything. It is quite literally the only way that I have learned everything that I know and I share and teach now in the office management space by never sitting in a meeting and accepting someone throwing jargon at me or very typically in these roles, I um, many years ago in particular used to be faced with many many men in the room and I would very very often be the only woman in that room so there would be perhaps a room full of engineers from CBRE who were our engineering team at Berenberg and we would be talking about our ongoing air conditioning issues and they would say you know you're gonna have to spend about 30k here and 10k here and blah, blah, blah. and I'd say okay explain to me why and they would be talking about the actuators and the um air handling units, the AHUs and the FCUs and all these acronyms and jargon. And I would say, right, okay, can you explain that to me? Can you draw for me exactly what you mean here and exactly what this bit does and this bit, you know, there's some sort of communication box. I think it's like a branch selector valve or something like that, BSD box, which talks back to the building management system, the BMS and all these different things that would be thrown at me. And don't get me wrong, I don't fully understand it still now, but I have a far better understanding. And I was able to go to my boss and say, right, I understand why we need to spend this money now. This bit of kit has gone wrong and this bit of kit costs a lot of money and we need to fix that. And for the back of that, we then need to spend money on this and this and this and testing and commissioning or whatever it might have been. So I would literally say, whoa, 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 guys, 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 I'm lost. Can you just hold on for a second? Can someone explain it to me in plain English or better yet, draw me a picture of these pipes and this box and all these other things that you're talking about, because I really don't understand it. So never be afraid to ask and lean on your experts who are in the trade, who have probably spent most of their lives and careers in these trades and understand it far better than we do, that you can become a little bit more master in all of those areas. Okay, so I think you, you probably may want to expand on some of this already, but how do you personally make your role a success? And do you have any tips you can share with any of our fellow listeners and how they can do the same? 
of course so as I said before I think one of the core parts of this role is firstly knowing that there's no easy way to define what we do on a day-to-day basis it's so varied and it's what we do cannot be put in one checklist not for me anyway so a tip I would just say is have some empathy for yourself have show yourself compassion and celebrate your small wins since I started doing that I've been finding that even on a bad day knowing that I have my list of wins picks me up and is hugely helpful in reminding me that actually today is just a bit of a bad day but every day is not bad or negative and I can overcome you know hurdles or things that are tricky Rome was not built in a day so you know (laughs) Whatever the task or the challenge, you can overcome it. So tip number one, I would just say, have a bit of a space where you celebrate your wins. Tip number two, have compassion for yourself. Um, Everybody has down days. Everybody has, you know, different moods. And one thing that has helped me hugely, not just in my career and my role, but even in my personal life, and it's something I try to share regularly, so I'll share with the listeners today, is don't take everything so personally. And that's something I have to remind myself because I'm somebody who can soak up others' emotions and I I just that's just how I am naturally, very, very empathetic. Everybody is in charge of their own thoughts and feelings. We cannot change other people. We can only change ourselves. So just focus on what you're doing. Don't focus on what others are doing and don't compare others' wins or others' highs or what people might, for example, post on social media or their LinkedIn or shining CV. Because your small win might be huge compared to other people. So you need to celebrate what you're doing and know that your individual journey is celebrating that greatness. And you have something that others don't. And you have something that others look up to you for. So yeah, that would be my three or four tips. Just knowing that you're on a journey, it's not, it's not a race. You have to take every day as it comes and have compassion for yourself and for others. Because then you will know that actually I'm just responsible for myself. What others do shouldn't really matter so much. No, absolutely. I really love those. And it, and you're so right. There was uh, this checklist piece. There is, literally is nothing that I have found yeah. to date that really, really well summarizes this role. And in fact, I now have the typical responsibilities of an office manager when I show it on slides on a like a video, on a GIF, because there's too many to fit on screen. So That's it literally so rolls on this little slide. Yeah. Because there's so many. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like you. I've I really had this issue. And I think as I've got older, I mean, gosh, I'm 40 this year, so it feels so you don't look a day over 25. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. I do at the moment. We're having this, uh, we're having this podcast quite late at night, everybody, just so you know. So uh, Nabila's seeing seeing me in my very least glamorous. Uh, no, but you're still here, gorgeous. <laughs> so for me. I I used to take things personally, particularly when I was younger in my 20s. And similar to you, I think I'm open to emotions and I am quite receptive to it, but I'm also quite perceptive. You know, I'm observant and I see and I overthink. I think women do that an awful lot anyway. It was one of the things that always came back in my appraisals and feedback is don't take it personally, don't take it personally. And you think, wow, you know, and my sort of younger, naive self would be, how do you not take it personally? I feel like you've literally asked me or whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I've had people at JP Morgan coming over and slamming their blackberries on oh desk and swearing at me saying, effing fix this and rah, rah, rah. Oh God. And I wasn't IT, I was office manager. I'm like, IT are over there, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, so you, how do you not take things like that personally when someone's 
abusing you like that, quite frankly. But I think more time in this role gave me thicker skin as well as I think, you know, aging a bit and whatever else. But yeah, I think you have to be conscious of it to be able to divide the two. It's it's, it's a journey. You have to remind yourself. Yeah, you do. It's It's just a journey. You have to remind yourself and you just have to have that that knowledge that you know what how you're treating me is a reflection of something you've got going on Mm. I know that you're just mirroring your own insecurities or your own issues or you know you've had a bad day firstly it's Mm. not acceptable to chuck out someone else but you know since I stopped taking things personally it's still hard don't get me wrong (laughs) I I still rant to my friends on a daily basis or my family (laughs) but I also have that those little tools just to remind myself and it helps because I like try to meditate try to pray on it I reflect on it I do quite a bit of journaling and that's sort of my escape as well because it's difficult especially you know when you're younger and in a fresh role you don't have that experience of just how unprofessional some people can be but when you realize that actually that's a you problem not a me problem it's fine Mm. yeah and you detach it And the thing is, you're so exposed in these office management roles, right? Because, yes, the amount of responsibilities, but you are quite literally the only person in that organisation who pretty much touches every single person in that organisation and that can interact with you and you interact with them daily. So you are incredibly exposed. And there are some high pressure points from the coffee not tasting right or not working or being out of order to the toilets, to the cleanliness of the office and everything, you know, the event and the food at the event not being right or whatever it might be I didn't I don't want to do bingo and exactly and it's that thing where when things okay I feel like this is starting to change in our organization anyway but when things go right and like an event for example has gone perfect it's like oh amazing or the food was tasty that was great or the caterer did a good job but it's that we are the behind the scenes person but when something goes wrong where's the office manager where's Nabila or oh my god like you know that's when we're needed or we're noticed um like I said I think especially in my office anyway that's starting to change but I had to also overcome that feeling that oh when something's wrong that's when people notice and when things are going good and right hardly noticed I know one of my colleagues would describe it as a thankless job and I feel Mm. like it definitely has those moments but at the same time like I said it's also the people around you. I'm really lucky in that sense. I have people who, if they see me drowning in shopping, they'll say, oh my God, how can we help? If they see that I'm not at my desk, they won't bombard my Slack. They will try to use their own initiative. And we've been doing these sorts of things to help them self-serve. And it's been mm. really groundbreaking because it is really you know, easing my role in many ways. That's not to say I suddenly have lots of free time. It just means I can now focus my time elsewhere which is great because there is a never-ending to-do list there is (laughs) (laughs) that's good yeah I mean there's this quote from Gandhi which is something along the lines of no one has permission to hurt me unless I give it to them and I think that's a really good thing I read a few years ago in like a sort of life not self-help book but you know kind of trying to recognize my behavior and yeah. other people's behavior and things and how yeah. it can impact you negatively and turning the tables yeah. on that and it's one of the things I m- remember the most is yeah that's right no one can hurt me unless I let them 
so when you particularly in a work setting it is very hard especially if you're going through it in that moment you can't Mm. see beyond that point or you can't see beyond that rude comment or like I said because I think we're similar in the sense of we soak each other's emotions even when I look back at like a particular situation that happened just over a year ago I was so affected by it I was I couldn't everything in my life was just focused on this particular rejection if you like and just how much I felt inadequate and it took so much self-talk and you know reminding myself of my self-worth and not letting the self-doubt creep in and understanding that actually this other person that was incapable of even giving me a chance there was actually so much blessing in their rejection because it redirected my life in an amazing way and it refocused me to know you know what those harsh things that you said to me that is a reflection of you and you are mirroring your own insecurities and your own experiences in life and you are bouncing that off however I know what I bring to the table and if you can't see my worth that's absolutely fine 10 people will after this and the crazy thing is yes when I do reflect on the timeline so many amazing things happen things have happened since then and it is a boost of confidence but in that moment of course especially as women We're very in our feelings, very in our our emotions. You know, you can't see beyond that point. But when you do start to reflect, and this is what I try to do now, I'm not perfect at it, but when I do try to be that neutral eye or that lending ear to my friends and family, I feel like it's a huge sign of maturity and understanding and knowing that everybody has their own things going on in life. And sometimes, you know, you have a plan or you have an idea or you... Um, Because this is the thing about me. I am a bit of a control freak. I, especially in an office manager role, I think you kind of got me. You are, you do tend to be a bit bit of a perfectionist. When I have an idea in my head and then it doesn't go that way. Oh my God, it bothers me. I'm so annoyed by it. And I am somebody who doesn't have much of a temper and I don't, I'm not really phased by things. Like I'll be annoyed momentarily, but it doesn't last very long. But certain things, when it bothers me, oh my God, it can fester. But in the last year of me trying not to let things bother me so much, it's been amazing. It it gives me more space and time to focus on the important things. As Elsa says, let it go. Exactly. (laughs) I need to put that as like my phone background. (laughs) (laughs) So where to to finish on, where do you see yourself in the next few years? Have you got any specific goals, career goals? So in the short term, we have, like I said, outgrown our space quite quickly. So we are focusing on some expansion and I'm really excited for that. I'm glad that the person who's project managing that is not going to be me, but I will be working very closely with them. And I'm excited to learn new skills by having to make those decisions and those design design decisions and, you know, give my creative eye. So in the short term, that's something to look forward to, the office expansion and the general refurbishments we're going to have with that. In terms of my future goals and aspirations I absolutely love working for Octopus Energy and it's somewhere I would like to see myself for for a very long time in terms of again being an office manager it's a role that I'm so happy and comfortable in and I feel like I have had the opportunity and support to grow in so again it's not a role I would like to let go of anytime soon but I would love to have more scope to probably move around a bit more, potentially mentor others that are starting their career journey. I would love that. We also have various offices abroad, so I would love to even start traveling abroad a bit more. We do do like UK based travel, but I would love to maybe share my expertise globally, let's say. So, yeah, that's something I would love to do and a bit more focus on mentoring, I think, for me.
Well, I think I've just got one of my first volunteers for our mentoring program on the office management portal. Sure. <laughs> We're starting that. I don't know if you saw it, but we've, we've had a few people asking if we can start a mentorship program on the portal. So you could potentially be a mentor, yeah, which, which would be lovely. That so that that will start ticking your aspiration off the off the list. Well, Nabila, thank you so much for being a guest on the Office Manager Diaries. It's been wonderful getting to know you a little bit better and hearing more about your highs and your lows and your advice and everything else. Thank you for having me, Hannah. And I'm really excited for all the other lovely guests that you're going to have. I've been tuning into the previous episodes and shout out to you because what you do is so inspirational and you are so amazing. So big, big cheer for you for sure. Thank you for having me. This episode is sponsored by the Office Management Portal, our free online membership platform aimed at connecting, supporting and empowering office managers in a simple to use all-in-one self-service resource. You can sign up right now at www.theofficemanagementportal.com and click the sign up button in the top right. If you want to upgrade your account to our premium membership at any time for unlimited downloadable templates and monthly expert masterclasses, use the code THEOMD for 25% off. That's the T-H-E-O-M-D for Office Manager Diaries for 25% off. Thank you for listening.